Afternoon, good evening. This is Dove Tuzman, and you are back on equal footing. Second part of our three-part series on science and Torah. Last week we got into a little bit tongue-in-cheek the halacha of aliens, the kind of Jewish belief as it pertains to extraterrestrial life. Can we accommodate that? How does it affect what we're taught in Torah? Does it invalidate Genesis, etc.? The conversation veered into areas anything but light. We were on last week with scientist and entrepreneur Daniel Friedman and Rabbi Shlomo Yaffe. And by the end of the show, I thought I was going to get a little slap through the microphone because we were getting into the concept of where does Torah govern? Does it always govern in the Shemaim, in the heavens? If we're living in the heavens, well, this week we're going to get a little bit more concrete, but we're going to turn... The topic around a bit, not so much looking at aliens, extraterrestrial conscious life, which science, the scientific community all but has a consensus exists out there somewhere in the interplanetary realm, the, uh, elsewhere in the cosmos. Here we're going to look at something much closer to home, literally, figuratively, the colonization of Mars. You know, a couple of generations ago, this would have seen seemed like complete science fiction, but I'm staring at my screen here in studio at the SpaceX website. This is Elon Musk's company that um, is involved in missions to Mars. And right on the homepage, it says, you want to wake up in the morning and think that the future is going to be great, and that's what being a spacefaring civilization is all about. This is real. The colonization or settlement of Mars, while it's been a theoretical topic of human migration for a long time, is now very much on the table. Uh, you have uh, organized public space agencies around the world like NASA and ESA and Roscosmos and ISRO and others from India, China, UAE, US, Russia, France, etc., Israel, that have been in the last few years on Mars through uh, not manned missions, but... Uh, rovers and in orbit. In fact, you, you have a minion of missions. You have like 11 or 12 that are currently either orbiting or on the surface of Mars right as we speak. This is something that could happen in this generation or the next. You know, 100 years ago or maybe 150 years ago it would have seemed like science fiction to talk about Jewish belief as it pertains to being in the heavens in, the, in an airplane or how a car would affect our observance of Shabbos, being in a car, driving a car. What looks like science fiction yesterday is anything but tomorrow. So let's get, let's get into it. The halacha of interplanetary colonization. Wonderful guess. In fact, I think that many years from now, he'll be looked back at as a pioneer in Jewish thought. Rabbi Adam Bellows. We'll get into why's in the program in a minute, but let me introduce Rabbi Bellows from a uh, theological perspective. He's the spiritual leader of uh, a temple. He is he's received the Simon Lazarus Memorial Prize from HUC for the highest academic standing. 
in his uh, graduating classes uh, as a rabbi. He's received the Rabbi Jason Hoops Prize for Excellence in Community Service. It's, he's uh, adopted also. He does some great programs that are live streamed uh, through his congregation. Um, he teaches both adults and children. But here's an interesting wrinkle. You don't always hear we get a lot of rabbis in this program, but not always, not all of them have a BA in Applied Behavioral Sciences. He has an interest in the intersection of Torah and science that I think goes back a long way. And, uh, he lives, let, well, let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him introduce a little bit more about himself from an academic perspective. Rabbi Bellows, welcome to Equal Footing. And if you could, before we get into the subject matter, what led you to, uh, to this place and kind of halachic study? You know, the, uh, you had, you, you wrote, uh, your, your thesis, uh, it's called Eyes on the Horizon, Theological and Halachic Challenges for the First Jewish Settlers on the Moon, Mars, and Beyond. That was in 2018. Probably then it seemed very forward-looking. It seemed very au courant right now. What what led you to this to this area of inquiry? So thank you, Dove. I'm really excited to be here with you on the show. Um, I've always uh, loved science, and I've always loved my Judaism. And uh, I've often said that um, my Judaism is what has inspired me to want to get to know the universe. And for me, science is the way that I've come to be able to do that. Um, I uh, actually came up with this topic when I was in rabbinical school and I was um, sitting in a class and, and it just hit me like lightning, I thought, what would a Siddur, what would a prayer book look like for the first settlers on Mars, um, the first Jewish settlers on Mars? And my thesis is not just about settlers on Mars. It's, it's you know, those who may be on the moon, which I think is going to be probably a lot sooner than any settling on Mars. But mm-hmm. but it just it struck me like lightning. And what I did was um, I, I went on Facebook that evening and I put a post on Facebook just putting it out there saying, what would, what what blessings would like the Jews uh, on Mars have that might be like new blessings that we don't have right now, or what blessings might there be when you like land on a new planet uh, or on a new celestial body? And I had like a big response. I had a lot of people who um, really seemed to like that topic. Um, and when I first approached um, one professor about being the referee for my thesis. Um, his immediate response was, "There is no Judaism off planet. That's not a topic." You, you do like, see, you do see a lot of that uh, response and kind of very traditionalist thinking. It's changing. You see in the literature that uh, very um, you have from sources and respected Orthodox commentators who have kind of changed their tune over the last couple of years. But I can imagine how even five years ago that would have been a different story. Well, yeah, and and what I what I knew was. That this is happening, it's happening sooner than we may think, even if it's happening in like 40 years or 50 years, that's still soon enough in Jewish time. Um, And it's not enough for us just to say that Judaism cannot exist off-planet or that halakha cannot exist off-planet. That just simply can't be so because there will be Jews Mm off-planet, there will be Jews of all streams of Judaism off-planet, and we need to be able to adapt as we always have throughout our history 
we've adapted wherever we live on, on Earth, we need to be able to adapt off-planet as well. Rabbi, I want to start with some of the more uh, kind of controversial stuff before we get there's some fun stuff tonight for the audience because it's fun to think about uh, you know how does an extra um, what is the what is the word you use for non-earthly right <laughs> the a calendar that that I, I I love the turns of phrase some of which you've introduced in the lexicon but what's what is the calendar what's a Jewish calendar off planet so um, uh, the term I use is is exo exo for uh, for if it's like an exo you know Jewish calendar but but the term I, I created for my thesis just to make things easier is the term exo Jew okay exo Jew so it's fun to talk uh, about for the exo Jew and exoplanets kind of when do you uh, when sundown and sunset do you work with the Martian day uh, which has whatever forty nine minutes more or less that are you uh, and then and do you work with more I guess uh, or do you work with the um, with the earthly day uh, you know even even um, you know this is this is kind of somewhat in the mainstream uh, Dr. Shana Gifford with NASA worked on Mars missions in la- uh, mid part of the last decade talked about about this and in in with that mission with you know, how do you even, when you're orbiting the Earth, um, going around very quickly, you know, how do you get your Jew on? Like, when do you, when do you do things that are calendar and that, um, calendar base? That stuff is a little bit, a little bit more lighthearted. Listen, at least in my view, and there could be some listeners that are kind of, um, scoffing at that. But there's some pretty serious theological implications here around the, let's say the, the, the overall governance structure of not only Ju- Judaism, but Abrahamic faiths in general. Obviously tonight, and as usual on this program, our focus is on, on Jewish faith. But how, how did you, do, do you see a problem there at its core? Um, if, if, if Torah is really about the relationship between God, Israel, on, and, and Israel on the earth, um, can we just extend Torah without a blink of an eye to other worlds? Right. So I think one of the main controversies is what counts as the realm of humans and what counts as the realm of God. Um, in, in the Talmud, there's, there's the story of the oven of Achnai, um, which causes controversy, where there's Rabbi Eliezer, who uh, has this uh, answer as to um, his halachic response uh, for whether this oven can be deemed to be impure or not. And even though he gives all the other rabbis um, every answer he can that exists in the world, they still don't accept it. Then he does, he performs these miracles, saying, if the halakha is with me, may these miraculous things happen. The rabbis still don't accept it. Finally, he says, may a voice from heaven come down if I am correct. And a voice from heaven came down and said, yes, hey, guys, Rabbi Eliezer is correct. And even then, Rabbi Yehoshua says, oh, no, no, no. The Torah is not in heaven. Hmm. So like, God, you have no place in this particular conversation of halakha. You gave Torah to humanity. It exists in our realm. So the question is... Now, for a layman listening, Rabbi, pardon the interruption, does that, that kind of mean that it, Torah gets set at a particular moment in time and in space, and then it's ours to interpret from, from, from there on? It's not, it, it can't be changed. So there's the divine Torah that existed before even the earth was created, that God gave us that divine Torah, and we, when we accepted it, 
it became our responsibility to understand the commandments that God has given us and to understand this divine truth that God has given us. And so the question is, um, if we go to the moon, which previously was considered to be the heavens, or if we go to Mars, which previously has been considered to be the heavens, um, and if the Torah was given to humanity to not be in the heavens anymore, to be in the earthly realm or in the human realm, does that mean that the, human, that the Torah can still come with us? Um, my, my feeling on that uh, subject would be that anywhere we can go, anywhere we can go should no longer be considered to be the heavens as we understood the heavens to be, right? The heavens were to be these, these, uh, these, pla- these places in the distance that we can never get to. I'm going to simplify can- this a little bit first so our listeners don't get lost because this stuff is abstruse. In a sense, you're saying if we can get there, it ain't Shemayim. It's, it ain't the heavens yet. <laughs> if we can reach it, by definition, it's, you know, God is, is, is further along. Uh, in that continuum, is that is that one way to to say right? It? And it right, and it, it was always our place to go to. We as humanity have just not gotten there yet. So, what about if there are listeners right now that are just dubious that this topic is even worthy of consideration? Because there are folks that believe that uh, Judaism it, it, there is there is no Judaism off planet. It's all about here uh, on on Earth. There are references in Torah and our and other sacred texts to other worlds are there not can you elucidate us on that yeah so um we do we have um a, a, there's a lot in rabbinic literature that so for instance one of my favorites is um it's in the um it's in the Talmud and it says uh the holy one blessed be he said to Israel my daughter, I've, I created 12 constellations in the firmament, and for each and every constellation, I've created 30 armies, and for each and every army, I have created 30 legions, and for each and every legion, and that goes on and on and on, and it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, um, and uh, um, a, a Jewish author and thinker, Norman Lamb, uh, did the math on this paragraph that's found in, uh, in Masechet Brachot 32b, and said that it comes out to 10 times 18, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, um, 10 to the 18th uh, power. Um, and so that tells us that it's been a long rabbinic tradition that there is so much other stuff out there. There are so many other worlds out there, and that we as humanity, you know, can say that we've, we're, we're destined to eventually get out there, which means it can become our realm. Yeah, and there are references um, in, in in Psalms, in the Book of Songs, and elsewhere to these even even naming some of these these uh, stars and realms where other conscious life may exist. It's it's surprising how many, in fact, references there are um, in both uh, both the Pentateuch as well as the Oral Torah to this possibility. But I do want to, before we take our first break, acknowledge there are folks like, uh, Dr. Nurit uh, Novis Deutsch and, and, and others that, that have posited, and I want to pick this up right after the break with you, Rabbi, that we have to allow for the possibility that in an interplanetary future, there's a place for forsaking, uh, 
previous religious beliefs, whether it's Jewish or otherwise, because you're getting a ton of new information. And you may, in fact, find that there are uh, teachings that predate uh, those that we have, I know I'm saying things that are going to make people write in with hate mail, but I'm just saying that there, there is some debate about this and it's worth, it's worth talking about to if, 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 if for no other reason to be able to address what may be a crisis of faith as we explore other, other worlds. We're, we'll be, we'll be right back. We are talking about life on Mars. We titled in our social media blast somewhat, uh, uh, jocularly Shabbat on Mars. How do you celebrate Shabbat on Mars? When do you start? We're here with Rabbi Adam Bellows, uh, who has written extensively on this topic, both in an academic setting as well as in commentary online. I'm going to get to one of your articles in a moment. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. This is life on Mars. Are you tired of feeling like you and your partner don't connect anymore? Like you've lost the spark? Are you afraid to share your fantasies and desires? There are resources out there for you if you're living a Jewish life and also want to break down barriers in your relationship. Get to new places of openness and communication around sex and intimacy. The What If Workshop is designed to address those issues and more. It's experiential. It's aimed at improving communication, fostering intimacy, and strengthening the bond in romantic partnerships. By taking part in the What If Workshops, couples can learn to better communicate their desires and boundaries with another, with one another, explore new avenues of intimacy, and ultimately strengthen their emotional bond. Check it out. You can go, I'm going to give you the number for the What If Intimacy Workshops, 848-305-9903, open to both couples and individuals, couples intensives, which are weekend events and day-long workshops for individuals. That's 848-305-9903. These workshops help you gain a deeper understanding of the role that sexuality plays in your relationship in a Jewish home, you learn to cultivate a more positive and fulfilling intimate connection. If you're committed to exploring new ways to connect, check out the What If workshops held both in the city and here in New York City, as well as upstate, the Catskills, the numbers 848-305-9903. I've been caught. We're back with Rabbi Adam Bellows. We're talking about interplanetary colonization. You know, Elon Musk said, I would like to die on Mars, just not on impact. <laughs> Jeff Bezos says, people will visit Mars. They will settle Mars in our generation. This is happening, guys. However, before the break, I did note that there are prominent Jewish thinkers out there who are very troubled by this prospect. And Rabbi, I wonder, is this just Ludditism? Is this is this like the kind of thinking that was going on before, you know, planes and, and automobiles? Or is this is this 
prospect of interplanetary colonization more threatening to Jewish belief? Well, look, I think that um, Judaism has always adapted. Uh, that's what oral Torah is. That's what halacha is. Um, through through somebody writing in a, um, a shayla, a question about some kind of new invention or innovation, uh, that there's, you know, a response that can be created saying, you know, based on what we've looked at, this is what we think halakha, this is what I think halakha would say about this topic. And I think the question really in this instance is, can halakha even exist off-planet? Right? It's one thing to say, can Judaism exist off-planet? Halakha, um, hal- we have some non-Jewish listeners, are, are kind of Jewish law, the, the the rules by which we live in Judaism, just the quotidian, like every day there's uh, over 600 of these uh, guideposts. So go ahead. Yeah, so I, I would say um, um, a, a lot of, in my thesis, uh, a, a lot of uh, points are made by Rabbi uh, J. David Blyke, uh, Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi uh, Isaac Elkanan Theological Seminary. And so he, he said that, that there's like a bubble around the earth of halakhic time that once you leave this like 24-hour cycle that exists on earth, perhaps there is no halakha beyond that, beyond that bubble. And various rabbis have even argued about, uh, let's say you're, you're on Mars. Um, are you supposed to be subject to the time that it is on Mars, are you supposed to be subject to what's in the sky, what's in the heavens when you're on Mars, for instance, or on the moon? And does it even, are you actually even on another celestial body if everything that you depend on to survive has come from Earth? Mm. So, you're on so the, if I'm on the moon... You're traveling from Earth, and you're still, you should still honor halacha as if you're on Earth. So, right, so if you're a traveler from Earth and you can't possibly survive on that celestial body without everything that came from Earth to sustain you, um, then, then, you know, some rabbis would say that means you are still actually on Earth. Um, but then there's another halakhic argument that says that, it, let's say you're traveling on a ship, um, you're still within the borders and the halakhic rules from where you left, until the bottom of your ship touches or makes like touches the ground of the new place you come to, and at that moment, that's when you have to abide by that time. So the question is, for those first Jews that land on the moon, or, or I mean, not even just land, for those first Jews that are settling, this is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, are they supposed to be bound by time according to that celestial body? Or are they supposed to base their time on Terran time, on Earth time? And even then, where on Earth do you even base your time? Now, Rabbi, with, all, with all due respect to the calendar question, and, and, and let me just make sure to give out the numbers here, because I'm sure there are folks that uh, I've, we've already gotten some text comments and questions, folks that know the number, regular listeners. Let me get out, give it out again. If you want to participate live here uh, with Rabbi Adam Bellows talking about you know, the Jewish ethics of interplanetary life, us living, that is, another planet. We're not talking about aliens here. We talked about that last week. You can call the studio live. We are live, 718 718- Three zero three nine zero nine zero. That's seven one eight three zero three ninety ninety. Please be patient if you call in. You might be on hold for a bit. You can also text or WhatsApp a question or comment here to Rabbi Adam Bellows. 
It's uh, 917-428-4062. Do not call that number. That's to text or WhatsApp in a comment, 917-428-4062. Sorry for the interruption. Rabbi, all due respect to the calendar question, uh, interesting. It, it seems a lot simpler, though, if it's just us. We colonize Mars. We, there's a colony in the moon. Most scientists would agree that that this is something that's coming down the pike relatively soon. That you know, kind of it feels to me like we'll figure it out how to be a Jew on moon on the moon, how to be a Jew on, on Mars, as with other religions and their observance. Uh, but what happens when we discover that there's that there's conscious life? I want to fuse this with last week's show. Not that not that there's a extraterrestrial life theoretically somewhere, but which we can most people agree on, but that we are actually interfacing with other intelligent, conscious life. Do we automatically assume that the God of Israel is their God as well? That's a great question. I don't know if I have a good answer. Um, I would say that it'd be easy. It sounds easy enough if you say it'd be easy if it were just us. But that in and of itself is an extremely complicated issue as well, as anybody who's Jewish on this planet knows. When you talk about a Jewish value, when you talk about a Jewish ethic, you have to then say, like, whose Jewish value and whose Jewish ethic are you talking about, right? So, I mean, like, there's 100 Jews in a room, there's 101 opinions, right? So I think that it's going to be tough enough, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this thesis in the beginning anyway, um, it's going to be tough enough for the Jews who are going to settle on these planets. And it's, it's funny because when I first was proposing this topic, I, 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 I love the Chabad rabbi in my community in West Lafayette, by the way. I'm at Temple Israel in West, West Lafayette. Um, I love the Chabad rabbi here uh, of Rommel Gluck. Uh, a good friend of mine already. Um, and, and even then I would say that I love this joke that people said, oh, then there's already a Chabad on Mars, probably. <laughs> right. Wherever you go, there's a Chabad. But this... Oh, the reason I, I wrote the thesis, uh, the reason I've, I've been bringing up this topic is that I want the various streams of Judaism to be able to thrive together as we go out inevitably and colonize the solar system. Well, here's an, here's an interesting thing. We're going to have to bleed into coming into after our next break a little bit, but uh, you would, I think make a, there's a good argument to be made that the Jewish people for a couple thousand years now have been much less space bound than we have been time bound. Meaning we're, we're, we're a diaspora group. We have been for most of that time. And so we're used to kind of measuring things by the time and how far away we are from Jerusalem and so forth. So it doesn't feel all that different. I know I'm simplifying in a way that you're probably, probably furrowing your brow, <laughs> Rabbi, but, um, we haven't really been colonizers, have we? I mean, we've, we, we've been, um, under the, under other political jurisdictions around the world. And, um, I think it would be hard to make an argument that, you know, Israel is going to be the primary colonial power interplanetarily. So that may continue. But this issue's happened on Earth. If you think about the colonization of the Americas, for example, or many parts of Africa, you had Christians, in that case, come and effectively void belief systems 
that existed prior and it resulted in, in great suffering. And so I think let's, let's take, Rabbi, I don't want to talk too much here, but let's take the, the supposition that Israel and when I say Israel, I mean the country and I also mean the people of are at the vanguard of interplanetary colonization. And what, what do we do when we're confronted with other forms of, of intelligent life? Um, and I feel like you're evading the question a little bit. Do, do, do we presuppose that our system of belief and our God wins? That our God is the God? We'll be right back. <laughs> so we have to take our next break, but I, I, uh, I want you to talk longer than I did. Thanks, Rabbi. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. You're on Equal Footing with Rabbi Adam Bellows. I'm Dove Tuzman. We're talking about interplanetary colonization through the prism of Jewish ethics and thought. Rabbi, I gave you a long-winded, tough question there before the break. Uh, do you want to take a take a shot? Sure, yeah. So my thought on this question of... Um, it's funny because in my thesis, I have like a three-page note saying, that's not the topic of this thesis. Um, so I can't claim to be an, experti- uh, an expert on, on anything, let alone this particular subject. But I will say this. Um, in, in Jewish thought, the Torah is a divine thing, uh, divine truth from God that exists beyond what was given to humanity. Um, what was given to humanity is what we now call the written Torah, and we continue the tradition of understanding it through the oral Torah. That doesn't mean that it's the same thing that existed before God gave the divine Torah um, to humanity. So the Torah, or Torah, exists everywhere in all of God's creation, in, all, in the whole universe. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what we call the Torah, what we call like the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses, is the same thing that Joe Alien on the other side of the universe would have created when God maybe revealed Torah to those entities. Right. Oh, interesting. So you're saying you're you're saying that Hashem may have have a different different relationship or have imparted uh rules in a different way to extraterrestrials 
Sure. And, and I mean, there's this idea of covenant theology that, like, different, different peoples have different covenants with God or that, uh, you know, we could even say that different entities in uh, the universe, you know, today's May the 4th, so, of course, you know, may the 4th be with you. I mean, yeah, that, we programmed this well. That right, you know, that, that it's, we're talking about Star Wars. So, I mean, you know, what would Torah look like to Chewbacca? I don't know, but it could be that what we call Torah is the human understanding of Torah. And even how we describe God is the human understanding of God. Mm-hmm. And so some other, if, if we discover some sort of intelligence, even on Mars or, or the moon or, or you know, um, uh, um, you know, Europa or something like that, they might have something that they don't call Torah necessarily, the Torah necessarily, but according to Jewish tradition and Jewish belief, we can say that it is still this divine truth that was revealed maybe to them in their own way, right? I, I, want, maybe some, I, want, I want to exhort yeah. some of our, our more Orthodox listeners uh, to tell us more, because we've gotten a, a couple of texts here. I want to get to some listener comments in a moment that this is very problematic. Lay it on me. I mean, tell 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 me, uh, tell Rabbi Bellows why what, what is being expounded here is unacceptable. Uh, don't just say it is. Tell us why. Rabbi, um, there's, it's interesting, we got a listener that referred to this person. He was, came up in, in our pregame research. Dr. David Weintraub, I think it was mentioned last week as well, is a professor, professor of astronomy at Vanderbilt University. He, he looks at the intersection of, of Jewish theology and, and astrophysics and he wrote a book called Religions and Extraterrestrial Life. How will we deal with it? His view is that Judaism is not only, quote unquote, spiritually prepared for little green men, but Jewish theology, this is a quote, direct quote, Jewish theology may actually require a belief in extraterrestrials since there are no limits on the power of the creator. Um, he mm-hmm. goes on in another piece of writing to actually more tied into this week's um, program and and says that Jewish theology may in fact exhort us or encourage us um, to to explore interplanetarily because we should explore Hashem's realm as much as we can, basically. Um, so for him, it's not even not not only is there no um, is there no conflict, uh, but Jewish theology without the possibility of interplanetary colonization or extraterrestrial life wouldn't make sense. Do you agree with Dr. Weintraub? So look, we as Jews believe that God is omnipresent, God is everywhere, God is omniscient, God is all-knowing, and God is omnipotent, God is all-powerful. So for us to say that God cannot do something, right, that would be counterintuitive, you know, that would be against really Jewish tradition and Jewish thought. So we can't say, I wouldn't say, that God you know, cannot bring, that there cannot be life out there, that, you know, something cannot happen out there. Um, you know, that that is, I don't want to say heretical, you know, but, but that's not really conducive to Jewish thought. Mm-hmm. And so really it's a matter of, um, you know, uh, how can we, look, Torah for me is a guide as to how to live an ethical life and to try to make, the world a better place. If the world, if, if the word olam is both meaning like the world like earth and it means all of existence, 
like the whole universe, mm-hmm. then making the world a better place also includes making the universe a better place. So, Rabbi, so Bill, if I, enc- yeah, if I encountered in life out there, I my number one thought would be how can I use Torah to make the to live the best ethical life and make the best life for that entity as well. Okay, we have a comment from uh, Jonathan in Englewood, New Jersey, uh, who brings us back to the issue here of settlement on Mars, and said Judaism, if nothing else, is about productive behavior. There has to be a purpose for everything, and everything must have a purpose. You haven't discussed what is the purpose of settling Mars. If it's just curiosity, if it's just scientific discovery, if there's nothing spiritual to it, it may not, in fact, be consistent with Jewish ethics. Interesting view. I mean, it does seem that there's a little bit of just pure piquancy of like, can we do it? Let's do it because we can do it. Is that an anti-Jewish way to think about Think about the I don't think it's an anti. I don't think it's an anti-Jewish way to think about it, but I think there are real reasons for us to actually settle um, other astronomical uh, celestial bodies. Uh, one would be um, the continuation of not only humanity but the continuation of the Jewish people. If we're living on a planet with uh, global climate change happening, that is at this moment, limiting our time left on this planet. Look, if you've seen Finding Nemo, think of the fish tank in Finding Nemo. They stopped that filter in the fish tank in the dentist's office in Finding Nemo, and it stops becoming livable. Well, we have nowhere else to go necessarily. They try to get out of that fish tank. What we need to do for the continuation of the Jewish people we need to make sure that we are not putting all of our eggs, i.e. all the Jewish people, in one basket, that is the earth. We need to be mm-hmm. able to spread uh, to make sure that the Jewish people can continue to thrive and live on for centuries and millennia to come. Okay, well, Benny from Lakewood, you win the prize for the nerd question of the night. Amazing segue without you knowing it, because the text came in about uh, 10 minutes ago. Um, for use of the word eschatological, We've actually done a program, I think, a number of months ago or last year called Eschatology 101, End of Times, a study of end of times. And Benny Rabbi uh, wants to know how we can be so focused on outer space if it's very clear eschatologically, in terms of parentheses, I'm putting this in for those listeners uh, that don't know that word, they got it from an end of times uh, perspective, that the end of times must occur with Mashiach on earth. So I guess, Rabbi, I'm overlaying on Benny's point, but uh, if, if you're talking about kind of quote-unquote saving humanity and we're going elsewhere, are we not kind of in a certain sense then not believing Torah as, as in terms of how, how this all sorts out in the end? I mean, you know, that's kind of saying, is it worth doing any space exploration if, we're, if we have constant poverty that we're dealing with on Earth? Right. Well, I think it's a little bit different, um, though, because if you're saying we're going to save humanity, I mean, what if we're like jetting off to, to colonize other planets because Earth is dying? Um, is is that, in a certain sense, abandoning our belief as Jews because we're, we're told Mashiach is going to come and, and it all happens on Earth? So, you know, one, one, one way of looking at Mashiach is that Mashiach will show up and will do everything for us um, and will save us. Another way of looking at the idea of the Mashiach is that we have to work, we're partners with God in creation, 
and that we have to work in order to achieve Yamei HaMashiach, the, the age of the, of the Messianic era, and that Mashiach, you know, will show up and say, hey guys, good job, you did it. Um, and, and that, you know, we can believe that the Mashiach will come and save us, but, um, you know, when, when the Jews saw that Jerusalem had been destroyed by Vespasian, by, by the Romans, um, they didn't say, like, it must be God's will, let's just stick with this and, and we can't do anything about it. No, we had, we had the Jews, we had the early rabbis went and established the town of Yavne, where they said to the Romans, hey, just let us go do our thing. Mm-hmm. There would not be modern Jew, there would not be rabbinic Judaism if the Jews had not worked and said, we're not just going to sit back and let this mm-hmm. happen to us. We are going to be proactive, and we are going to do what we need to do to ensure that the Jewish people continue to thrive and that Judaism continues to thrive. We cannot just sit back and let whatever's going to happen to us on earth happen. We have to be proactive, and Jews have always been proactive, mm. and that is one of the main reasons we've survived so long. I agree, and this show in in a certain sense uh, is very much in that in that strain of 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 debate and wrestling with these difficult topics and kind of figuring out where we go from here but i think we can acknowledge there are literal uh approaches that and i appreciate benny's question in that sense or benny's comment because um you could you could literally you know believe that that you we shouldn't be going anywhere else because you know mashiach is is coming here and we got to wait for him or her so anyway, um, I, I, I promised you, Rabbi, that we would we would do a little bit of a, a, a fun exercise. And I'm almost embarrassed to do it because I don't want to betray my ignorance. But I want to I'm going to name a couple of great thinkers in mm. in Jewish history, uh, great Rebs. And I want you to, like, channel them. And <laughs> what do you think their view would be on interplanetary mm. colonization? So if I could do a little theme song, it would, but I'll give you like, we would do one or two before the last ad break and then one or two after. Okay. Uh, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva. So, um, so Rabbi Akiva, um, was very focused on this idea of interpreting the Torah. He's one of the, you know, Tanaim, he's one of the, the, the rabbis from the time of the Mishnah, so we're talking like 2,000 years ago, um, he would most certainly be one of the rabbis to say, we need to adapt Torah to what's going on now. Um, and if what's going on now is that we're going to be leaving the planet, we're going to, like, this is going to happen. So whether or not we want it to happen, it's going to happen. Rabbi Akiva would certainly be the first to say, um, we need to be able to apply Torah to this new situation. Um, and there's this great story, um, there's this great rabbinic account of uh, God transporting Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, to the future, to Rabbi Akiva's classroom. And um, Moses is sitting there listening to Rabbi Akiva and kind of can't really understand what he's hearing Rabbi Akiva say, uh, not language-wise, but like he doesn't understand how this rabbi is is teaching Judaism, but it doesn't feel like anything that Moshe knows, that Moses knows. Um, and he's kind of getting upset until Rabbi Akiva says, like, this is, the to- this is Torah that's come from an unbroken chain all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu, all the way back to Moses. 
and then Moses understands. Judaism evolves. Um, understanding of the Torah evolves. The Torah itself, Torah is set. But our understanding, our interpretation, our application of Torah to our modern times and to each generation evolves. And that's where, you know, different streams of Jews nowadays, we may be applying Torah to, um, to different sides of political aisles, mm-hmm. to different ideological issues. Um, but Torah is always our wealth of knowledge. And Rabbi Akiva certainly would be, would be the first to say, yes, we need to, um, we need to utilize Torah. We need to adapt Torah. So let's um, go from the more interpretive yeah. kind of legal mind, if you will, of Rabbi Akiva to the more esoteric and mystical. What would Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, <laughs> say about interplanetary colonization? Well, now that's interesting. Um, I if think, you need a time I think to think, we are, we are up for our, for our last ad break. Do you want, do you, do you want to? Do you oh, want to don't worry. I, oh, don't worry. I I have a, a cup of water. I'll drink if I need to think about it. But if you need to go to break, no, no, go, go break. for it. Go for it. We'll hit the another so, couple after that. I think any Kabbalist. I think any Kabbalist. You know, I think Jewish mysticism is about communing with the divine. I think that's a big part of Jewish mysticism about Kabbalah is communing with God and communing with the divine. And if we think about the Sfirot of Kabbalah, you know, we're here in the time of the Omer. Our whole time these next days are contemplating the spherotes of, of, of God um, and kind of understanding uh, the unattainable sometimes. Um, and I, I think that any Kabbalist would say, like, yes, like, I could do these these rituals, I could do these meditations to try to commute with the divine, or I could try to literally go up there, and I know, I'm being a little facetious right now, but or I could literally go up there, go out there into the heavens and, like, commune with God. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to just, like, sit on Mars and just, like, take a breath and be on my, my whatever a sukkah would look like on Mars and just kind of, like, sit there in my suit and just, like, although, be maybe may- a little bit closer to God. Yes, and maybe he, may, he might also say all those inner worlds are greater than the outer worlds. So, <laughs> I'm having too much fun mm, with this. I want to ask you. I want to ask you one one more before we uh, before we go to go to break. Uh, mm-hmm. One that is a, a little bit of a layup, and then we'll do a tougher one afterwards. The Rambam, Rabbi mm-hmm. Moshe ben Nachman, also mm-hmm. known Ramban, not Ramban. oh Ramban, yes, Nachmanides, yeah. yes, yeah. Oh, what because there's a, there's a combination of com- commentary on Torah and also, you know, a master of Kabbalah. So right. So, I mean, so Ramban, so first of all, as I've said before, he would say a lot. Um, but we have to go to break nothing, 10 minutes ago, so give us, the, give us the short version. So he would, he would uh, you know, in, in the Maimonidean view, he would say that there is this balance between between rational thinking, between science, between natural philosophy, and the metaphysical, there is this balance, and that we need to have that. And within that, then there is this deep esoteric energy flowing that is Jewish mystical, you know, works that are that are behind everything. So that yes, we should go to the moon. Yes, we should settle on Mars. And we should bring the deepest thoughts with us as we go there. Love it. We're here with Rabbi Bellows, Adam Bellows. We are talking about extra 
what would you call it? Exoplanet colonization? Jews living in other worlds. You're on equal footing, and we'll be right back. Equal great music tonight. Yay to our show producer, Leah, whose birthday it is today, May 4th. May the 4th be with you, Leah. And as always, great programming. Equal Footing can't continue without sponsors. We've had an amazing, we've had great sponsors over the years. A sponsor that's been with us for some time shares our approach that you need to talk about the difficult stuff. If you're shy about it, if it causes you concern, lean into it. There are other folks experiencing what you're experiencing and questioning what you're questioning. What am I talking about in this case? I'm talking about Manhattan Medical and their work specifically around erectile dysfunction. It is not something to be ashamed about. ED affects almost two-thirds of men at some point in their lifetime. And there are therapies out there that don't involve those expensive blue pills that are also not available to everyone because of comorbidities and side effects. Manhattan Medical, and by the way, you do not have to be in Manhattan or New York. You can be anywhere in the United States. I'm going to give out the number in a second to get a teleconsult with Manhattan Medical about their groundbreaking effective therapy for ED. And the, if for, you can, yeah, you can access anywhere in the United States. Their therapy called Gaines Wave Therapy has been around for a long time in Europe, more recently in Canada, and now it's in the United States. It is non-invasive, it is surgery-free, it is painless, and most important, the effects are long-lasting. You can have permanent cure around erectile dysfunction. Call Manhattan Medical and ask them about their Gaines Wave Therapy. I'm going to give out the number a couple times. 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9, and number's 888-332- 8739. If you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's erectile dysfunction therapy on equal footing, you get a free consultation. You will not get that unless you mention that you heard about an equal footing. That's a $250 value. Again, the number for Manhattan Medical, accessible anywhere in the United States for their teleconsult is 888-332-8739. I've been caught. Rabbi Bellows, I'm having fun tonight. Thank you for joining on this topic. It's always like right at the end of the program, you get into some juicy stuff too. Uh, I, I want to give you a couple other, we're, we're asking you about great Jewish thinkers uh, in history and how they might think about us colonizing Mars or the moon or elsewhere in the cosmos. Let's do two last ones that bring it a little bit closer to the present. We have such a long tradition of millennia. The Baal Shem Tov. What does the Baal Shem Tov say about mm. us living on Mars? So, when I think of the best, when I think of the Baal Shem Tov, um, you know, founder of of Hasidut, of uh, of uh, of um, of this stream of Judaism, um, I think of joy and ecstasy. Um, I think of the Baal Shem Tov really telling us that um, it's not enough just to try to follow our mitzvot. It's not enough just to follow the Torah. 
um, we need to be utilizing the Torah um, to bring sheer joy into our lives and into everyone else's lives. Um, not only that, um, I mean, there, there are tales of the Baal Shem Tov himself visiting the heavens or paradise or Garden of Eden, if you want to put that all together into one thing, um, that, uh, um, you know, I, so I would Bashan say that... Pro, pro getting on that Mars mission or against it? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. Um, if I had to say, uh, um, I, I would say um, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't ask you a couple ones that I th- feel like more more obvious answers like Rabbi Hillel or the Rambam, my money this. But you know what? Leave it to Mark from Manhattan, who is a good good tweaker. Uh, you're not twerker. I don't know about that, Mark, but you're a good tweaker because you're right. he wants to know, Rabbi, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. what Rabbi Ye- uh, Yeshua ben Yosef would say. And I think what Mark is saying tongue-in-cheek is Jesus Christ. Um, Mark, it's a Jewish program. We don't know. But but seriously speaking, Rabbi, I'm sure you, you do interfaith dialogues. And yeah. I, can't, I don't want to finish the show without asking, because I think that we have a lot of listeners. I know from some questions, other questions we have here from both Jewish and Christian listeners. Is there a big difference here theologically, in your view, between Judaism and Christianity around... In the- around the theology of, of colonizing Mars, for example? So in this sense, I, I would say yes. Um, I'd say number one is that um, in Christianity you have... Um, so if we are taking a second to talk about maybe like what happens if we find life out there, um, there is already a discipline within Christianity called um, Christiomissiology, or Christian Missiology, which is the idea of like wherever you go, you have to bring your good news Right. To whomever you find and wherever you go, um, Judaism a lot of does not. Indigenous peoples, as I alluded to earlier in the program, around the world who have a who have a serious problem with that uh, Christian approach. So I mean, so I mean, Judaism does not proselytize, right? If somebody comes to me and says I want to become Jewish, the first thing I say to them is, "No, you don't. <laughs> it is difficult. What are you uh, everybody hates us for their own reasons." Um, and, 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 you know, I don't turn people away, but I mean, you know, we, we, we weed people out, right? Um, but, um, you know, I'd say that it's kind of a hard comparison because we are a people. And so part of this conversation is about our continued survival as a people. Um, and so we're, we're more than just a faith, right? And so, um, for other faiths, for other faith communities that are out there, the question may be a purely theological question. Um, but for us, for me, settling on the moon or settling on Mars, um, we have to have halakha that we can apply to these situations of, of us spreading throughout I don't want to put um, the universe. Words in your mouth, Rabbi, but in answer to Mark's Go question ahead. directly about uh, the kind of the difference in Christianity and Judaism, what I'm part of what I'm gleaning on this program, I, obviously we're not talking in general the differences, but the differences as it pertains to the theology of colonizing Mars, for example, is that it's, mm-hmm. it seems more complex for us. It seems like a more complex prop Jewish problem than it is a Christian problem. It's like, if, you're, if, we're, if I'm hearing you correctly, a Christian belief might be, we're going to go and proselytize, you know, wherever we find or other settlers that are living beside us or whatever. Whereas the Jewish question is like, how do we coexist? How does this impact our belief? Should we be going in the first place? Like it's a little bit more complex, it seems. 
Look, there's a difference between being Jewish and doing Jewish, right? We can go to Mars and we can be Jewish. The question is, for Jews, if we settle on the moon, if we settle on Mars, how do we do Jewish? And I don't think that that is a settled conversation. Okay. So, again, I'm at risk of putting words in your mouth, but you're saying that if we're being Jewish, bravo, let's go colonize the cosmos. Doing Jewish Hey, think carefully about how you how we're going to observe halacha. It hasn't been settled yet. We got to figure it out. Yeah, we can we can zahor and shamor when we're out there. We can remember everything we're doing. We can think about everything we're doing. We can study Torah when we're out there. But we want to shamor as well. We want to leash more. We want to be able to keep and observe what we're doing. Right? I can remember that it's Shabbat on Mars. Not easily, but I can. But the question is. How do, what do I do to make that happen? And that's something that the Jewish people have to consider. Rabbi, we're going to need to wrap up in a minute, but I do want to uh, give some respect to listeners that, that, that heard my request to send in uh, some of our more Orthodox listeners as to um, what's really problematic about what we're talking about here tonight. And uh, Joshua from Brooklyn uh, wrote a bunch of, uh, thank you, Joshua. I might have to cover a little bit next week on our last of the three-part series on, on kind of science and Torah. But he refers to, and I may be getting the pronunciation wrong, uh, Rabbi Sadia Gaon from 10th century Babylon. Uh, hopefully you know what he's talking about. I, I don't. Um, and he said this question is, is settled best, um, by this source. Uh, that first the Torah tells of all creation, and, and when it finishes telling us that, it says, let us make man. So this is Bereshis 1. Um, it is, it is clear, uh, that man is the center of the universe from Hashem's perspective in terms of his creation. This is a settled matter. Um, Joshua, I think that's not exactly the question on the table, because we are talking about Man, men and women, but we're talking about human beings and the people of Israel going elsewhere off the earth. But I, I do take Joshua's point, um, and I'm going to extend it a little bit, that it's it's all about uh, human beings on the earth. And we, we're just distracted to think of anything else uh, from a Jewish perspective. We only really have 30 to 60 seconds here uh, to respond to Joshua, but I'm sure there are others that think alike. What would you say to him, Rabbi? My my short response, my brief response would be, uh, God created humanity, or God God made the people of Israel exist in the land of Israel, but that doesn't mean that God was not okay with us spreading out from Israel. God is still God with us, um, no matter where we go. Mm-hmm. Um, God created us on the earth. That doesn't mean that God does not intend for us to go other places beside the earth. We're going to leave it there. Rabbi Adam Bellows, thank you so much for being on Equal Footing. We'll catch everyone next week. Thank you, Dove. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven, six, commencing countdown engines on. Check ignition. One, 